bit rather. No, it's fine. No, totally fine. Morning, everyone. Uh, like Mal said, I'm Scott. This is Jen, in case you haven't met us before. And yeah, we have been serving the Lord uh, overseas for the last number of years, but we've been back here for a couple of years on a bit of an extended furlough because of COVID and some other things. So um, yeah, we just wanted to share briefly about a bit of an update that's happened in our life. As most of you who know our story know, we've been serving in the Middle East um, and that's kind of been our heart and our focus and something that a place that's so dear to our hearts. Love that part of the world. We love the Arabic culture. We love the Muslim culture. And so we've just kind of been immersed in that world for the last few years. And then as we've been figuring out uh, how we're going to get back, where are we going to go to next? Because our visa for this, I'm just keeping the region, the country vague just for recording purposes, but feel free to talk to us if you want more specifics. But our visa is running out in the country we've been serving in. In fact, it's halas, finished. So um, we're just planning to go back and get our belongings and stuff like that soon. But uh, God has really put on our heart, uh, I guess, the next place that we're going to. So we've just got some slides and photos. Um, We can get those up in a minute, but maybe you can share something related to that. Yeah. Um, what do you want me to share? Maybe how we got to the decision. Very organised. Sure. Um, how we got to the decision. I think probably from the start of our journey, it kind of shifted our lives to sitting in the back seat and letting God drive, which has kind of been a crazy journey. Um, and often he gives you as when you read through the Bible, it's kind of the same. He'll give you a step or two ahead at a time. So I think um, the journey has taught us to really lean in and trust. But in that process, that we've had the privilege of realizing how incredibly trustworthy God is. And it kind of reprograms your own heart and your own mind from past experiences and what life you think life looks like. And um, so as crazy as journeys changing and experiences could be um, just that blessing of encountering God as the Father, not just in your head, but really in your heart too, as he becomes your strength and becomes so much of your focus in your life and what helps you to go through each day. Do you want to say anything? Yes, so Back in 2014, I believe it was, Jen and I went to Malawi, Africa, and the long story short version is that my dad went there a few times. He just fell in love with the place, the people. He became kind of like an advocate for this tiny little village, and he was a high school teacher here at Mount Clear, and he was sharing with everyone in the class all the time about this place and these people. It really affected him in a, in a powerful way. And then tragically, um, he passed away, he had a heart attack. Uh, he was 56 and we had planned that we would go together with him um, on his next trip and he had some projects they were going to do there but they ended up in 2019 um, building this education center and they named it after him and it's pretty humble if we can jump through to the slides next slide we'll probably get there but I'm a bit ahead so this is Gabe this is in 2014 when we went there next slide 
And this is Lake Malawi, which is where this village that we're talking about, Candy, that's where they are situated. So you're looking at picturesque, beautiful paradise, it looks like, facing that way. And then this way, you just have intense poverty and some very complicated situations with the people there. But it's an incredible place. Next slide. Uh, a bit more kids just tagging along to the preschool. Next slide. Uh, this is us with some of the team. Next slide, thanks. And this is the village where our friend uh, Robin, she lives here. Um, yeah, just a small little uh, village, very remote. Next slide. Uh, this is a small town that you would go to uh, once you leave the village and get out onto the main road again. This is Chintechi. Next slide. Yep, some of the kids. This is pretty much the kids' life once uh, school finishes for these kids. They come down to the beach and everyone just plays and runs around. So, uh, next slide. And every missionary has experienced this uh, before. You just bath in whatever you can bath in laundry trough, bucket, lake. Next slide, thanks. Sorry, guys. Okay, so this is the education center that I wanted to show you. So, they named it after him, the Alan Parker Education Center. And it just opened through an organization that our friend uh, works in. It's called Mapazzo Children's Foundation. So they built this. It's a bit up the road from the village we were just talking about. But they're wanting to use it to train people in a whole bunch of different areas from uh, you know, lo regional pastors, rural pastors coming to get training in church planting, stuff like that. They want to help educate young women who've had babies and had to drop out of school. Uh, they want to use it for agricultural training and stuff like that. So it's sitting there ready to go, but the problem is they don't have anyone to run it and to organize these training. And so that's kind of something on our heart that we felt it would be pretty special for us to go to the Allen Parker Training Center. Uh, next slide, thanks. And that's so in 2019, they opened it. And Jude and myself, we went there. My mum went to do the opening, and none of my siblings uh, were coming from Australia. And so we're in Israel, we're having some visa problems, but we ended up making it down there. So we got down there, uh, surprised her at the airport, and then we went to the opening of the education center. It was pretty special. Uh, next slide. And that's just another bit. So a humble education center. It's more complete now than it is there, but it's just a simple room, small building. They now have dorms there as well, so when people come from these rural areas to get training... They can also stay there and stuff like that. So next slide. And I think this is the last one there. So Jen and I, God just put Malawi in my heart and I was freaking out about it. I thought, we're just so connected in the Middle East. What am I going to do? So I prayed to God that he needs to get Jen to bring this up with me because I thought if I just throw this out again, I'm the visionary person. One minute we're going to Syria, next minute we're going to another country, now we're going to Ukraine, now we're going somewhere, like I just, I'm a goer. So I thought, I can't throw this out, I need to keep it. So I prayed this prayer and then we sat on the couch shortly after and then Jen just brought up Malawi, that she was thinking about it the other night. And so we started having this conversation uh, about if we would go and what that would look like and what we would do. So long story short, we're going to back to the Middle East to get all our belongings and our car and stuff like that. 27th of April we're leaving and we're going to go there first and then we're going to head down to Malawi and just base ourselves there um, for the next season of our life so it's as simple as that really <laughs> just 
get the word and then you just obey. So uh, that's it. Is there anything else you want to? Yeah. <laughs> and then all the details, uh, yeah, got to work out. Want to say something else? Yeah, sure. Um, so Jen, what's it like going to a whole another country with six children? Yeah, just share a little bit what that's actually like, you know, and how you do that and how God gets you through that. Well, I think, firstly, there's the call. So without that, I think that that comes with a lot of grace, not just for me, but for my kids too. So often people are like, how do they go? I'm like, well, no, they do pretty great. So I think there's a lot of grace from the Lord in that and that the anointing is on each of us. Um, But I think... Yeah, a bit like what I was saying before, part of letting go of your support network makes you reach out and hold on to God more. Um, yeah. And then I think your mum heart has a bit of planning and I have to lean in a little bit for just sorting out all the details because you're not just thinking about one person, but you're thinking about eight. Um, but yeah, just beginning to really know that God knows each of us better than I know them too and believing in his goodness, not that I, probably previous trips, I did think that I needed to figure it all out and find the right places and myself, but yeah, now really believing that actually God has cared for all of them and he knows what they need more than I do and just tapping into, all right, I know you love us. I know you brought us here. I know you've got doors to open that's going to help our family thrive, so show me where they are rather than just trying to hunt them for myself. Good, I love that because often God will put a call upon our heart but then we want him to show us all the details and exactly how it's all going to turn out and what the finished product looks like, you know, but the faith is in actually taking the step, isn't it, in completely the unknown. But like you're saying, knowing that God has greater for our children than we even have for our children. Like we want them to be extraordinary but he knows they can be even more than extraordinary. So his plan is always greater and better but I love your faith because it's a huge step of courage and your obedience too you know we were sharing about that recently I think in ladies group you know often God speaks but you know we actually have to obey and take the step yeah because and sometimes we miss the things that God's wanting to do because we actually don't take that step of obedience so I really commend you for taking the step when you heard his voice yeah, so the goal is, I mean, we, there's so many needs on the ground to meet when you go to places like that. But also, we just want to see people coming into a relationship with Jesus, becoming disciples of Jesus, and then going out and taking that message to other people and seeing these catalyzing, if you like, discipleship-making movements taking place uh, within the country, which is really exciting. So I'm going to move on, if that's okay, Jen. All right, sweet. Yeah, if you, you can stand there if you want. Okay. Yeah, so that's it. Pretty exciting for us. Um, yeah, it's an incredible part of the world, so we're really looking forward to it. So I just wanted to share a brief message with you. Hopefully it's encouraging. I find the longer that I share with uh, churches, the more I just freak out before the message, and I'm just battling my own insecurities. Is this really what I should say? Should I even, you know, all those sorts of things. So I thought it would get easier. It actually gets harder. I don't know why that is. But um, yeah, so I'm going to share a message. If Steve could get the next PowerPoint up. 
That would be great. And I apologize in advance. Uh, I'm going to use an illustration. And I'm not sure if I have used this illustration here before. If I haven't, it's going to be something new to you. If I have, then you should remember it because I'm going to reward you if you can get uh, the... So it's my message. It's going to come up. We'll, we'll unpack that in a second. So just to the next slide, thanks. Okay, are we doing coffee afterwards? Is that a thing? Can I offer to give away a coffee? If, okay, it's a two-part question. If you can get the two parts of this right, then I'll give you a free coffee. Mal will. Okay, does anyone know this person? Apart from people who are in my family. <gasps> Bro, do you drink coffee? <laughs> Huh? Oh, you can make and have one for yourself too. There you go. So, yeah, well, do you know his name? You've now... All right, that's the second part of the question. Awesome. So this guy, his name was John Chow, um, and extremely controversial, extremely uh, bold man of faith, um, but that was the first part of the question. So... The reason I said that is usually people don't know, unless you're on TikTok, um, who this guy was, because really what I'm trying to communicate is he's just a nobody, he's just a person, but he did something pretty extraordinary and pretty radical, and it's going to tie into my message. So his name was John Chow, and he went to North Sentinel Island, and that was going to be my second question is, does anyone know where North Sentinel Island is? So let's go to the next slide. So you can see here we've got uh, Thailand, Thailand. Uh, Burma, Myanmar here, we've got India over here, and then in the Bay of Bengal, here is a group of islands, and one of them is called North Sentinel Island. And the Indian government, since John Chow visited there, have made this island completely banned for anyone, and they kind of police it. It's been banned for a number of years because there's a people group that live on there. They're actually from Africa, but somehow have been onto this island for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. And they've remained there as an African tribe. And really no one knows much about them. Whoever goes to visit usually gets shot at or people have been killed trying to visit there. Some uh, British people who have sailed across as, you know, merchant people back in the day have crashed on the, to this island and then they've also been killed. And so John Chow got it on his heart that he wanted to go to this island. And so he went. Uh, they shot at him as he was going in with the boat so he went back out with the boat and then he told the Indian people who were driving the boat maybe you need to sail away because if they see the boat it's going to maybe make them more hostile so maybe I'll just go so then he wrote this letter um, in his journal and this is kind of his last entry he said you guys might think I'm crazy in all this but I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people please don't be angry at them or at God if I get killed he says, my hope and prayer is that you love Jesus more than anything else in this world. And then he went out onto the island, the boat went away, and he was killed. And there were Christians uh, around the world who slandered him for this effort. How dare he go to these people? He should have just left them alone. What if he brings you know, bacteria that they haven't introduced? There's a lot of uh, complicated issues in going to a group of people so unreached like this but 
a lot of the, the Christian world slandered him. There were also secular groups and news outlets that looked at this, and they were headhunting. They want to know who sent this guy here, which organization encouraged this person to do something so stupid like this. And so it really, uh, then there was a few who dared to call him uh, a hero in the midst of all this harsh opposition. And it begs the question, if we can go to the next slide, it really begs the question uh, that we all need to answer and have this conviction in our hearts together on, is the gospel for all people? And is Jesus worthy enough to communicate his message and communicate it in the way he intended? And this was a real kind of almost an anomaly because this people group were untouched. They were very remote. They're extremely hostile. And a lot of Christian organizations, social media, keyboard warriors, etc., thought that this was a really bad idea. And so it led to the question of, is the gospel for really every person and how do we feel about that? It, brought a, it made people sit on this kind of dividing line. Is it for everyone or is there some we should just leave alone? And that's what John Chow's life really spoke into, I think, to people who would call themselves more radical followers of Jesus is it's for everyone. Yeah. It's to go to every single place. And so when there's crisis happening around the world, most times it's Christians who go to these places first. And if you look at places of extreme poverty, of civil unrest. You look at Syria and the Middle East crisis. You look at lots of uh, nations in Africa that have extreme poverty. You'll always find Christian organizations there, uh, even in the midst of all this. Even if you look at Ukraine now, Christians, Christian organizations, they're always on the front line and praise God for that. However, it can be met at times with resistance. Once people realize that, Yes, Christians are there to assist in various capacities. We bring medical aid, we bring humanitarian, food delivery, whatever it might be. But they're also bringing a message in the midst of the crisis, and that is the good news of Jesus. And that rubs some people up the wrong way, including some Christians. Why would you go? They're already struggling in all these areas, and Ukrainians are fleeing in the hundreds of thousands and millions. Why would you go and share the gospel with them now? Why don't you just let them get out and, you know, resettle in another country and etc. And this is, John Chow kind of brought this problem to the forefront. How urgent are we in getting the gospel to people? Because he, was, he felt it of dire need to go to this place. And he probably knew deep down if this was going to happen, maybe it would bring light into the greater uh, cause of getting the gospel to other places as well. So next slide, please. All right, so I've had a lot of time to think about this and, and someone who shares the gospel with people in different cultural contexts in the Muslim world, in Australia, in the Hindu world, um, how to best present the gospel to someone. How can we be true to Jesus by communicating correctly? We don't want to share something that Jesus didn't say. And how can we be true to the person so that they understand the gospel and are able to receive it. And of course, we're led by the Holy Spirit when we are sharing with someone and God gives us certain things maybe to bring up or certain aspects of God's character um, but, or personal testimonies that lead to you know, sharing about God. 
Um, but there are some fundamentals to the gospel. And this is just a test I want to throw out there uh, for you guys, if you could help me out. Can I ask what you think some fundamentals that should be included when sharing the gospel? Does that question make sense? This is like a, it's a, hopefully going to reveal something, but I had to ask it. So could anyone share some fundamentals when you're sharing the gospel with someone? Of course, you can't say, well, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, you know, you can't go from Genesis to Revelation when you're talking about the gospel. But what's some fundamentals that you share? Jen said love. Anyone, some fundamental things that you would share? Yeah, love. Yep. Yep, no condemnation for everyone. Yep. God's, who wants relationship? Yep. Anyone else? Freedom, who said that? Yeah, good one. Yep, okay, that's all great. Yep, that's great. Okay, so this is my message. This is why I'm freaking out. So the gospel, does our gospel presentation include a call to repent? All right, I'm going to talk about that for a minute. Repent of our sinful behaviors and lifestyles and turn to the one who can make us whole, clean, righteous before our Father and with all his love and mercy bring us in as adopted children. Does it include that or not? And I think in my life, I would still be a drug addict if it wasn't for repentance. That was the lifestyle I was living. Eight years, probably a little bit longer than eight years, that was my life. And without that call to repentance that this type of behavior is not something that is uh, approved of in God's kingdom. It's something I need to die to. And some, to be completely transparent with you, some drugs that I took on a daily basis were really detrimental to my life and I was happy to repent of those and not take them again. Other drugs I took were incredibly stimulating and exciting and fun to take and I thought this is the best thing ever. And so in spite of that, it was still something I knew in God's kingdom. This is not something that I should do. And I need to repent of this, whether I think it's really awesome. And it never harmed anyone. I take this tablet on Friday night, serotonin explosion in my brain. I'm hugging, loving everyone. I'm thinking this is the best thing ever. What harm is that going to do anyone? But in God's eyes, I, know, I knew I still needed to repent of it. And this is the, the call in the gospel that I think is so valuable. And Jesus talks about it a lot, which I'm going to get to super fast. Can we go to the next slide, please? Or maybe not. Let's see. Okay, so New Testament. Uh, Jesus talks about repenting from pretty much day one of his ministry. The first public uh, proclamation he makes is that the kingdom of God is near and the call to repent. And it's in Mark 1.15. Um, but if I can jump to the next slide. Okay, so Jesus, uh, in the New Testament, this is just super simple Bible study. Uh, the word repent is there 27 times. And Jesus says repent 14 times of those, like directly out of his mouth, he says the word repent. Other times he alludes to it with different language, but that's what he says. Um, and I thought this builds a pretty good case about how important repentance is in calling people into the life that God uh, has for them. 
by telling them this lifestyle, this thing you need to die to. And I thought that was a pretty good case as well. And then I thought, okay, I've done repent. What about repentance? So I type in repentance. And that's in there 22 times, although Jesus only directly says repentance three times, but in the New Testament, 22 times as well. So it's a pretty important uh, principle. And my question I ask myself is, and what I'm encouraging you guys to ask is, where is that in our gospel presentation? And how powerful is it in your own life when you've repented from something and have turned to God and God just take, kills that thing in your life? Okay, next slide. Thanks. All right, and just for, if you actually want, this is for the Bible nerds, if you actually want this, I can send it to you or you can take a photo of it. But I hand-typed, handwritten all the verses where you'll find repent or repentance in the New Testament. And you, to be true to the Scripture, not every Scripture here that says repent is talking about repent for salvation. Okay? But many of them are. But you can do the homework on that if you want to. So I'll bring up the ones that I think are the most important for what we're talking about at the moment. Um, so next slide, hopefully. Yes. So Luke chapter 5, bit of a quick background. Um, Jesus is eating in Levi's home uh, with tax collectors and others. The Pharisees and the scribes, they're grumbling uh, at his disciples and they're saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? That's the context. Jesus hears that and he answers them. And he says, you probably know this verse. And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he's saying that in the house. And he's saying uh, that he wants these guys, the people who he's sitting with, the tax collectors, uh, and the other people who are probably of that same category of not well liked or not looked well upon in the community. He's saying these people uh, that I'm hanging out with, they're the people uh, who I want to repent. That's why I came. He dined with them. That's important to know. He was burdened for them as lost people, but he had no intention of leaving them as they were. Okay? And that's really important. We want to be out in the harvest. We want to be in places where... There are lots of sinful people and we want to love them, but we have no intention of leaving them where they are. And I had no, and the people who knew me when I first came to the Lord, they had no intention of leaving me in the state that I was in and the behaviors and the things that I did. They had, there was a call to something higher. There was a call to die to those things and to come to Jesus. And he helps you to remove them. In fact, he, he, he destroys them in your life when I bring them to him from the heart of God, I know I've done these wrong things in my life and I've laid this down to you and I want you to just take it from me. Even if I love it, like I talked about, there's a reason why some drugs are addictive because of the chemical reaction and it has no, it's not because of their positive effect on your life. It's simply all chemical. There's other drugs that feel like they have a really positive effect on your life and they're not easy to give up, not chemically. They're not easy to give up because they're so awesome. And that's why people take them in, in different situations. And so that was something I had to bring to the Lord. And no one wanted me to stay in that state. And so this, there was a call. There was a leading to something higher. And that's this beautiful word uh, of repentance. So let's jump to the next slide. 
And so background, Luke 24, Jesus is crucified, he's been buried, he's resurrected again, he's appeared to lots of different people, he's told some of them, tell the disciples to go up to Galilee, uh, and then he appears to the disciples in Galilee. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened this verse. What on earth does this mean? Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's awesome. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And so there's this call again to repentance. And that the, this is the very thing that frees us from our life, can I say our sinful life, frees us and gets us into the family of God, made righteous, made whole, and not carrying these things anymore. It's repentance, it's turning from these things and walking with God. Next slide, thanks. All right. So the gospel of repentance, it's not burdensome. It's not weary, it's not shameful. It's not something that... Uh, the person who's repenting, just say I'm sharing with someone, we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about maybe the things Jesus did in his life, and then we're asking maybe if they have ever done anything in their life that they think might be wrong. Have they ever lied or cheated or stolen or been sexually immoral, etc., etc. And if, if they feel like, yes, I have done that, and then there's a leading into a repenting from that, that's the most beautiful thing I think we could in someone's life as far as how we can lead someone in that it's not a burdensome thing it's not something that Jesus didn't talk about it's not hateful to do to encourage someone to turn from a life that is not of God it's not burdensome it's not weary it's not shameful it is the way to freedom in Christ so I'm on this bit of a personal mission I'm trying to reclaim some words that we use in a kind of almost derogatory sense these days and bring them back the beauty of them back and the power of them back into the body of Christ. And I think repentance is one thing. It almost sounds like you're invading on someone's life, that you're forcing someone to do something that they want to do. So I'm talking about Jesus uh, leading someone to repentance and then being freed of that thing. I think that's a beautiful thing. So I'm trying to reclaim that. Uh, completely lost. One second. Oh, yeah. So the act of repentance turns us from something contrary to God and his word. It removes the chains of sin and brings us into true freedom. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we teach our kids this thing. If they've done something wrong, they've hurt one of their siblings, you want them to say it. <laughs> and sometimes they won't say it. And they did you take the cookie? And they're just like, did you? And they've got cookie all over their face. Did you take the cookie? They're not saying, they might even shake their head. You want them to confess it. Yeah. You want them to say it. And when they do, afterwards, although you might not always say this, but you think, doesn't it feel better now that it's out in the open and it's been confessed and the dealings have been done and everything is, is out now? Isn't it better that way? I think that's the same thing with, with repentance. Once it's out, you even find it in the most extreme of cases, people who have lived life committing lots of crime, at the end, they almost want to say it. 
They want to confess it because they just can't keep it in anymore. There's freedom even in the natural sense for your psychological, maybe that's the right word, self, to actually say some of these things, a life that you've been living of crime or something like that. So how much more in God's kingdom is there freedom, not just for ourselves where we repent of our sin, but also spiritually as God lifts and takes that thing out of your life. That's the true freedom that we're talking about. Okie dokie, wrapping this up. Okay, and the point being, I think this is one of the foundational things of Jesus' gospel message, is the call to repentance. So, last slide. All right. So... So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. They answered him. This is just typical of the culture. Uh, Like Nicodemus did this same kind of response. We're Abraham's seed and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I think this is the the power of the gospel is as we turn to Jesus with all the stuff in our life that we may think is not harmful or could be harmful, but all the, the behaviors in our life that don't line up with God's word and don't line up with God's standard, as we lay those things down, some of them may be easy, like I talked about, some of them may be extremely hard, but as we lay those things down, as we repent and bring them before God, He removes them from our life, and that's when we come into true freedom. And I have, sometimes I think, what if I just went back into that old lifestyle just a little bit? And there's people who are super, you know, important, famous people that have admitted that they, you know, take. They call it microdosing. They take a tiny little bit of a banned drug uh, and they just have a tiny bit every day. It enhances their mind, their function, but they're not you know, completely tripping out. And they're functioning, CEOs, highly respected people. And maybe you can just dabble a little bit like that. <laughs> maybe you can just take a tiny bit of it every day and then that will be fine. But there's a, a conviction that comes in your heart and there's a standard that God sets. And even if that's not harming anyone, even if that's just something we do, if it's contrary to God and his word and the life that he has for us as disciples and obeying and following Jesus, we can just lay that down. And in that is true repentance and true freedom. So, amen. That's pretty much the message. Um, And so, I guess to finish up, it would be great uh, for you to just consider how repentance fits into your life. Do you remember times when you repented of something? Maybe when you first came to Jesus of the life that you were living and you turned from that. And how amazing was that transformation that happened when you laid that thing down, you laid down your old life and you came into this life with Jesus, um, that there was freedom. And we want to walk in that. And as we're presenting Jesus to people, all the things that we said about before in the gospel message are all true and they're all things we want to communicate and so i'm just saying today and also it's great to bring in the opportunity for people to repent of their old life and to get freed from some stuff in 
Jesus. And so that's, uh, that's what he does. He sets us free. So just to finish up, I have um, a sign-up sheet. If you wanted to sign up to our monthly-ish newsletters about when we're heading off and what stuff we're doing, if you want to stay connected with us while we're overseas, then you can just write your name and email on there. If you could write your email super uh, easy to read. I've had that many wrong emails just because I'm like, is that a 2 or a C? Or a... So just print it really easily. That would be great. And then I also have some um, prayer cards as well that have a bit about just our life and ministry and um, can some connection things on there. It has our email on there if you want to connect with us or stuff like that. So I might leave them out there somewhere after the service. But thank you, guys. God bless you. And hand it back to Mel. Thanks, Scott. Such a great word. Wow. Thank you. We really encourage you to support these guys. We do. The church does. I know there's a number of you that um, already do. So we really encourage you to just support them in their journey. This is not a paid role. This is a stepping out in faith with God role. So we encourage you to do that. Um, And Anna actually had a fantastic idea during the week.